is the Paul McGuire Report. I'm Paul McGuire. On today's program, I want to expose um, a secret, which really is not secret. It's an open secret for those who are paying attention and using their perception. I want to talk about the radical extreme changes in weather patterns. Uh, Prior to going into the studio today, I got an email. Uh, or a text from a friend uh, who lives in Florida, and they asked for prayer, and I prayed for them um, because the roofs are being blown off the the houses um, around them, and they're being hit by a very powerful storm. Now, obviously, that's not the first storm to come along. But then you take the the weird weather patterns happening all over America, and then here in California, the the weather is like the heat. The heat wave never seems to end. It's an oppressive heat wave. Um, And I don't remember seeing anything like this heat wave uh, in my lifetime. So we're going to deal with that because Jesus Christ said, You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. In addition, I want to talk about something that is an open truth. This is not something that's hidden. Uh, This is something that uh, is available for you to read and hear about and study and watch. Uh, Of course, completely dependent on your hunger for truth. And that is the fact that for a long time, uh, our nation and many other nations uh, have had what they call weather modification technology. Our military and the militaries of other nations have weather modification weapons. And according to one military report, I believe it was the U.S. Army, they boasted uh, in one of their reports that they would own the weather, literally own the weather, which means, you know, they will control, they will dominate the weather, and they will weaponize the weather. Uh, Because if you can control the weather, you have a very powerful uh, military weapon. So the idea of artificial technological weather modification is not a fantasy. It has not been a fantasy since, uh, I guess, the late 1940s. And it has uh, continued to to uh, increase for various reasons. So people need to know, when you're talking to people, they need to know that uh, aberrant changes in the weather um, Some would say, well, this is evidence of climate change or evidence of global warming. But we already discovered that uh, global warming is not a scientific fact. So that's why the United Nations changed the the verbiage uh, from the term global warming because they didn't want to associate themselves with... uh, a a slogan that was a lie, because global global warming, even though we're going through a national heat wave, 
for a particular period of time, uh, that doesn't mean that, you know, the Earth itself is undergoing global warming. So they, in order to not look like, you know, fools, they, they changed the terminology to climate change. And I want you to think for a moment, maybe later on, if you were looking at a chessboard, and I don't know if you play chess or not, but you you calculate your moves ahead of time and your opponent's moves ahead of time. So what would be a motivation for artificial weather modification uh, and things of that nature? What would be what would be a reason? And I'll let you, I'll put that in your lap and let you think about that. Now, um, I referred to the fact that in my book, the greatest battle for the hearts and minds of mankind in the history of the world, uh, I have quoted in that book um, quotes that were made from the uh, former uh, CIA uh, chief. Brennan, uh, who openly talked to the Council on Foreign Relations a number of years ago, Um, and this was televised and it was printed in newspapers, so-called mainstream newspapers, and he gave a speech at the Council on Foreign Relations. I've been there. Now, when I say I've been there, I have not been inside the Council on Foreign Relations. But I've been literally on the doorstep of the Council on Foreign Relations. Oh, I don't know, going back at least 15 years uh, where I was filming a documentary. And uh, I would say that as I was standing there speaking into the camera, I mean, immediately in front of the Council on Foreign Relations, there were several people's names, which I'm not going to say right now because I don't want to. I don't want to be name dropping, but but most of you would know their names if I told you their names, and by divine coincidence or divine providence or whatever, um, they listened to I don't know how many minutes. I would say ten to fifteen minutes of a monologue. That I that I was giving to the camera in front of the Council on Foreign Relations. So, and I think they knew me um, because back then I was doing uh, a lot of uh, Fox News Network appearances. So they wanted to hear, you know, what this guy had to say out of curiosity. And these were some of the most powerful people in the world. And that that would not be too exaggerated at all. So. Uh, The former CIA head, Brennan, gave a speech at the Council on Foreign Relations where he praised the use of chemtrails. Now, the date of this speech was on June 29, 2016, and uh, he he openly uh, stated in, you know, ordinary English uh, that the use of quote, geoengineering uh, is being used around the globe. So here you have an admission from one of the most powerful uh, people in the world. You have a public admission at the Council on Foreign Relations that 
essentially governments around the world, nations around the world, are using geoengineering, which is a term which is also synonymous with weather modification. And then he basically praised the benefits of spraying aerosol particles into the atmosphere. Uh, and he said the purpose for this was to reflect the sunlight. In other words, deal with uh, climate change or global warming. And um, so, you know, I, 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 you can read the quotes in my book, uh, The Greatest Battle. But, but the point I'm trying to make is that if you're having a discussion or a debate or whatever with people that you know, talking about geoengineering or weather modification technology, you're, people can't dismiss you or that reality, you know, basically because they have nothing better to say and they really haven't done their homework. So they're going to call you a conspiracy theorist for saying this. Well, that's not true at all. It's not even minimally true. This is a fact. You can prove it. End of story. So for for the fact checkers and all the rest of that garbage, what I just uh, related to you is a fact. It's publicly documented. It's been openly talked about. And it's not a conspiracy theory. Once again, end of story. So, um, in light of what's happening now, the um, question has to be raised with these oppressive heat waves, with these storms, with, with this, you know, this aberrant weather, this freak weather has been going on uh, for decades. I mean, my mind can think of all the news stories of hurricanes, tornadoes just ripping through uh, parts of the Midwest and right now uh, storms hitting the coast of Florida. It just, and the, the, the unprecedented heat wave in California and other places. Are these uh, aberrant weather patterns the, the product of uh, weather modification? Uh, or are they freak or uh, natural uh, Freak weather. I mean, Jesus Christ said that when he was talking about the signs of the times, he talked about freak weather. Freak weather would include unusual uh, storms, tornadoes, hurricanes, um, tsunamis, earthquakes, storms, droughts, heat waves, etc., etc. So those are, according to Christ, the signs of the times. But when you look at what Christ referred to when he talked about the signs of the times, or, for example, if you read about all the aberrant weather patterns, the pandemics, and other such things, which are also in the category of signs of the times, uh, and they're also written about in the book of Revelation, global plagues, or, you know, uh, freak weather, uh, planet Earth being hit by asteroids and all kinds of weird stuff, earthquakes in various places, Jesus Christ talked about, and it's also talked about in the book of Revelation. But the question 
that you have to ask yourself, and it's a question that I've asked myself, is this. Is Jesus Christ, in the chapter in Matthew 24, 25, when he's talking about the signs of the times, and when the book of Revelation is talking about all these uh, signs of the times, if you will, obviously God knows everything. He's omniscient. Now, he isn't revealing to us in particular at that moment if the freak weather and the earthquakes and the storms and the tsunamis, et cetera, et cetera, and the pandemics, if they are man-made, a product of man's science and technology, or they are uh, God's wrath, or God letting go of his protective hand over nations because uh, of their rebellion uh, from his laws. Um, he, doesn't, he doesn't tell us. And so we may never know what percentage is what, but the point is, um, it's my personal opinion anyway, that it's most likely the freak weather, the signs of the times, and all the rest of these things written about in the book of Revelation, are most likely, in my opinion, a combination of freak weather patterns, etc. And they're also a combination of man's futuristic science and technology in terms of weather modification and the militaries of the world admitting that they have weather modification weapons. So it's probably a combination of these factors. But once again, when people bother to take the time to study and educate themselves, then you don't have to accept somebody's uh, snide comment, you're a conspiracy theorist. You know, I deal with that very uh, in a very confrontive manner. I mean, I try to speak the truth in love. But if somebody knows nothing about what they're talking about, then I expose it uh, by pinning them into a corner, um, talking about verbally, and pointing out the fact that they don't know what they're talking about. And then that's the end of the discussion. I, and I don't do it to be punitive or mean or whatever. I do it to so that the truth can be presented. Now, in addition to, to those. Uh, scientific facts, there are people who allege, and I don't know because I haven't looked through a microscope or whatever, but there are many people who allege uh, that these chemtrails and stuff are one of the prime dispersal methods for weather modification, but also that chemtrails, etc., Uh, can also, in conjunction with 5G and other electromagnetic frequency, um, other electromagnetic frequencies, including weaponized EMF or weaponized 5G, works in concert with chemtrails and can be used for mind control weapons. Because what would be the purpose of putting fluoride or lithium, both that are both both chemicals are known tranquilizers? Why else would you put fluoride and lithium and other chemicals 
in the chemtrails. Now, of course, you have people who say, oh, the chemtrails is a conspiracy theory. Well, again, you have to really want to be part of the idiot club to base your argument on that, because we've seen pictures of giant jets that are, in many respects, empty inside. And by empty, I mean they don't contain giant jets flying that don't contain in the interior rows and rows of seats. They're, they're empty, like, like some of the military planes. And uh, they contain these giant containers and hoses and pumps, etc., that consist of the, the chemicals, uh, which we call chemtrails, that are sprayed in the atmosphere. And I was looking up at the sky in California and where I'm located, you know, I, I see chemtrails just about every day. And it's not my imagination. All you have to do is look up at the sky. And matter of fact, maybe I'll send up, I think I put it, I think I recorded it. Uh, there's so many of them. Uh, I think I recorded some chemtrails about two days ago. And the, the, the pattern of the chemtrails is completely unlike anything you would see from normal jet exhaust patterns. So we don't confuse jet exhaust patterns because if you live in L.A. like I do, you get enormous jet traffic going all around the world and the U.S. taking off from LAX. And over all of Los Angeles, you see uh, the, the jet exhaust trails. But the jet exhaust trails are different in composition and, and, and the way they pattern the sky than chemtrails. And, th- and that's my point. And you know what? I'm going to make a, a real effort. Um, so go to paulmcguire.us. It isn't up there now, but it, but it uh, will be uh, either today or tomorrow morning. Make an effort. It's only a, a couple of minutes. Uh, just on the spot, I saw the chemtrails, and I wanted to show you uh, the angular and, and very conspicuous pattern that chemtrails leave. And I think you'll find it interesting. So go to paulmcguire.us and check that little video out. I'll also try to put it on my Instagram. I'll try to put it up on Facebook. Now, i got to be careful about that because there are certain places I can't, I can't post. I, I, can, I guess I can post the, the visuals of the chemtrails, but if I call it a chemtrail, <laughs> I'm going to get censored. Or, or, or torn down from certain uh, uh, social media, even though prominent scientists, political figures, etc., are openly talking about it for crying out loud. So you're listening to the Paul McGuire report. We have I want to expose the secret of this and expose it in line with the UN Agenda 2030. Expose it in line with. Um, the, the climate change agenda, and then again ask you that question, what would be the possible agenda, the possible long-term, and I would suggest to you, the possible short-term agenda 
of amping up and accelerating the chemtrails, freak weather, et cetera, et cetera. And you need to know this because when you know this, you, you know what's coming. Um, the UN has a global agenda, Agenda 2030. And they have to sell this to the American public and the global public. And the way they sell it to the American public and the global public is by creating horror scenarios, horror visuals of our global weather and national weather running amok. You're listening to the Paul McGuire Report. I'm Paul McGuire. Visit paulmcguire.us. This is the Paul McGuire Report. I'm Paul McGuire. Okay, so um, I posted the sunny blue sky of California with the with the uh, chemtrails, and I put it up on paulmcguire.us, the main Facebook page, and I put it up on Instagram, and. The way you'll know what it is is from the visual picture, but also I titled it, Oh, What a Beautiful Morning, Paul McGuire. So just check it out. You've seen this before, but but this, you know, I, I forgot what I was doing. I was watering the lawn or something. And I, can, I mean, every time I walk out there, I can see the sky, the panorama of the sky. And I see this stuff all the time. And many times I'll see a whole collection, a whole galaxy, like an abstract painting of, of the erratic patterns of chemtrails mixed with the more linear and consistent uh, uh, jet exhaust trails. And they kind of like, they're together, obviously the two jets, the chemtrail jet and, and, and the commercial jet, they weren't flying in the sky in the same place at the same time, but they were there, I don't know, minutes or whatever the time length was. And you can see clearly, you can make a contrast, you can compare and contrast what normal jet exhaust trails look like versus what chemtrails look like. And uh, really simple. Um, okay, so. This is powerful technology, and it's been around, like I said, since the 1940s. So we're going to take the next step here. You know, where most, what, what most people do about this is they realize it's there, they get upset, they get depressed, and then that's the end of the story. Well, you getting depressed and getting upset, I mean, there's such thing as righteous indignation, and that's fine. That's the product of somebody who is an aware, perceptive state versus a person who is in a trance state. So that's fine. But if it moves from uh, perception into uh, depression or anxiety or a sense of powerlessness or being defeated, then you have to be very careful. And you always have to remind yourself that we're in it 
first and foremost, a spiritual war, and we're not fighting against flesh and blood, ultimately, but principalities and powers and the dark unseen forces of wickedness in heavenly places. So the critical factor here is powers of darkness, etc., want to demoralize and defeat you and make you powerless. That's a precursor to uh, slaving you. Now, you have to make a decision. You have to make the decision that you recognize that you need to be filled with the supernatural power of God. And I'm not here to debate um, the, the finer points of that, because it always deteriorates into an argument. And, and so what happens is Christians love to argue. That's one of the things I noticed when I was miraculously saved out of the counterculture and the New Age movement and that whole thing. I noticed very soon after I was saved, I would be among different groups of Christians, and I would notice as a very young believer that they would either be in incredible arguments over uh important points of doctrine, but not disagreements in doctrine that call called for kind of like a holy war within the body of Christ, where you don't speak to people, etc., etc. So I'll give you one point. Uh, you know, Bible prophecy was is still probably my main area of teaching and writing. However, I learned early on that, that Christians love, and to this day, I'm not picking on anybody, because it is an important point, by the way, but Christians love to argue about the timing of Bible prophecy. And admittedly, it's a very worthy and valid, valid subject, but it should not bring us to the point of not fellowshipping with one another. I personally believe you've got to take a step in, of spiritual maturity and recognize that, like the true Bible-believing Christians, may have different perspectives on uh, certain things. And it doesn't mean you're not going to heaven if you hold this view or that view regarding the timing of the rapture and the tribulation, etc. That's number one. The other thing I noticed very early on when I was saved is Christians, everywhere I went, Christians were arguing about speaking in tongues and not speaking in tongues. And I'm telling you, it would drive me crazy because, again, that's an important subject, but it is not worth breaking fellowship over. Uh, and so, so I'm, I'm going to tell you right from the heart my perception as a young Christian, and it is still my perception this day. Although speaking in tongues versus not speaking in tongues is a valid subject, and then how you would speak in tongues, because the Bible does give guidelines and rules, or if indeed you're going to speak in tongues at all, or if you choose not to speak in tongues, they don't warrant uh, breaking fellowship. And what happened, what I began to observe, is that became the focal point. So many of these things become the, the hierarchy focal point of 
Christians who should be loving one another. Why should they be loving one another? Because that's where the real spiritual power comes from. Jesus Christ said to his disciples, Love one another. By this will all men know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. And that's said, I think, seven times in just one chapter of the Bible. First John, love one another, and by this will all men know that you are my disciples. Well, it doesn't say speak in tongues, and by this will all men know that you're my disciples, or, or uh, believe this particular viewpoint on the rapture, or don't believe this particular viewpoint on the rapture, and all men will know that you're my disciples. So there's something wrong if the priority doesn't match God's priority. God's priority is, is that our power comes from our loving one another. Now, don't get me wrong. There is absolutely, especially in our time period, a need to defend strong biblical doctrine and rightly divide the Word of God, because there is uh, false prophets, counterfeit revivals, etc., etc. But just because there's a proliferation of false prophets uh, and counterfeit revivals, now please hear what I'm saying. Just because there is, and Jesus warned that there would be false Christs, false prophets, false messiahs, uh, counterfeit revivals, all these things would increase in the last days. But the critical, the critical thing here is that, and you need to defend the faith. That shouldn't be minimized. But this is what has been my observation. Because I've really been around the block, okay? I've been, I mean, it's not bragging. I've been around a long time, and I've met just about everybody, or been with them, or prayed with them, or talked with them, or whatever. So that gives you a particular vantage point. And um, I, I've seen so many people who were right on in defending doctrine, but then go out and attack, attack their brothers or sisters in Christ completely absent of love. You see, you can speak the truth, that's fine, but you're not allowed just to speak the truth. So, if you wanted a, a more modern translation, I would say speak the truth and shut up. Unless you speak the truth the way God is commanding us to speak the truth. And how does God command us to speak the truth? God says, speak the truth in love. So you may be theologically correct, and your opponent may be theologically false or or wrong. But if you're not speaking the truth in love, you lose, and the devil wins. And, and, and the world sees a bunch of Christians fighting one another, and that does not, and that blocks the power of God. Now, it's a delicate pathway, admittedly. But um, let's go back to this primary lesson. And, and a primary lesson in the Bible is when you go back to the book of Genesis and God reveals to you and me the story of ancient Babylon at the time of the Tower of Babel, and you see that um, 
in ancient Babylon, at the time of the Tower of Babel, when God comes down to check out ancient Babylon, he tells us through his word that that the people of ancient Babylon uh, came together as one, functioned as one, moved in unity. And because they were unified and functioned as one, God said of the people of ancient Babylon, he said, nothing that they propose to do will be withheld from them. Okay? So the secret to to their incredible power, and unfortunately it was demonic power, was they operated in unity. Now, at the same token, if Christians are trying to communicate the truth of the gospel of Christ to the world, but they're not operating in unity um, and functioning as one, they are not going to accomplish their goals, and they will not be effective. So, so God made a big deal about teaching us that lesson uh, in Genesis, uh, in the book of Genesis. And then God talks about it throughout the Bible, and then when you get to the early disciples obeying Jesus and moving and, and going to tarry in Jerusalem, they came together as one in the upper room. But why did God pour out the Holy Spirit, which was the birth of the church? What, what released God to do it? They came together as one. And as they came together as one, crying out to God in Jerusalem, in the upper room, the trigger that released Power from On High, which is the name of my brand new book, which is at the printer right now, and you need to get a copy at paulmcguire.us. You'll get a discount if you order it now. The reason they, they God poured out his power from on high was because they were in unity. Now, let me add, not false, fake, one-world religion, uh, false ecumenical unity. That, that's a satanic counterfeit. True unity, and true unity always manifests itself within the parameters of submitting yourself under the authority of God's Word and deferring to the authority of God's Word versus deferring to the authority of some supernatural experience or, you know, Jesus high or whatever. You understand what I'm saying? So this is a, is, a, is a critical matter. Now, the other area that I want to get into, which I, one of the reasons why I wrote this book, Power from on High, and the other books, is that the battle, that, the spiritual battle that you and I are called to face in America and around the world right now is so intense that we cannot win it unless we're filled with the power of the Holy Spirit or clothed with power from on high or receiving power from on high. We need the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit, and we need to be faithful and true to guide and chart our course according to the Word of God. And whenever you come to a place in your Christian life when you've got to decide between 
Am I going to chase after or be led by a supernatural experience versus being uh, choosing to be led by, guided by, and submitting yourself to the authority of God's written word, the Bible. Whenever you come to, uh, uh, you know, a place where you're going to go one way or the other, you've got to operate under the biblical principle of the Word of God. And it's simply this. Whenever it comes to contrasting a supernatural experience, a vision, uh, a claim of you know, God speaking to you or whatever, if what you're doing or what you're teaching is different than what God's Word is, is teaching, you're out of bounds. You never put experience above the Word of God, period, end of story. And that, too, is what keeps you on the, on the straight and narrow in a world that is exploding virally with spiritual, the spiritual deceptions of all kinds. Okay, so that's how we, we win the battle. Now, the other thing that I think is very important, and um, we're in the last days, and God has a call and mission for you personally, and for the church, and for the church in America. And um, the key thing is, is that the only way that we can successfully turn the tide of the spiritual battle is by relying on the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit, and obeying and submitting ourselves to God's Word as our final authority. Now, when we come back, I want to talk about stepping up higher in terms of intercessory prayer warfare and understanding what God has for us within the constraints of the Word of God. And let me emphasize that. Within the constraints of the Word of God, we need to come to the place where we begin to understand, and when I say we, I'm talking about countless millions of us, we need to collectively understand that despite what Lucifer and what is being told to us in covert forms of spiritual warfare, we are not helpless, we are not defeated, we are not overcome, and we need to establish that and anchor that truth based on the Word of God. We need to anchor that truth in our hearts. And once we uh, anchor that truth in our hearts, we need to also anchor this truth in our hearts, that we are more than overcomers in Christ Jesus, that we are overcomers in the spiritual battle in Christ Jesus, and that Our job is to occupy until Christ comes. Now, when we read about Jesus teaching us to occupy until Christ comes, we have to understand that that means, and it also assumes and presumes, that we have a revelation and an understanding of God's Word so that we know 
that who we're serving, our supreme commander, is Jesus Christ, King of kings and Lord of lords. So when we operate in the authority of Jesus Christ, that is the most powerful authority in all of creation. But we're supposed to use that supernatural authority that Christ has given us in spiritual warfare, law-abiding, peaceful spiritual warfare. And as the supernatural body of Christ begins to rise up in response to the call of Jesus Christ, who is commanding the supernatural body of Christ, which includes you, if you listen carefully to the still small voice of his spirit, you can hear him right now, as I can hear him right now, say to you and say to me and say to his people, he's calling us to rise. Not surrender, not retreat, not give in to despair and fear. Jesus Christ is calling us to to rise. And the good news is, Jesus Christ is calling us to rise, but he doesn't expect us to rise on our own power because we don't have enough power to obey him uh, in and of ourselves or our flesh. We, We can't rise in and of our flesh. But when we hear the still small voice of God, telling us to rise, all we have to do is is be willing to be obedient and then reach out our hands in faith and receive his power. And so when we receive his power, which is the power of the Holy Spirit, the dunamis, the dynamite power of God, when we receive his power, it's then and only then that we have the capacity to obey him and that we have the capacity to rise because we're not rising in our power, in the power of the flesh. We're rising in the power of the Holy Spirit and we're rising in the power of Jesus Christ. It's a small but all-important distinction. Now, I believe God wants to send a national, authentic, biblical revival, uh, and a biblical third great awakening. The size and scope is up to us. Um, But the way that happens is not our attempting to counterfeit it with our own strength, etc., etc., but to, to use his supernatural power by faith. Perhaps the most important thing that we need to do is as the supernatural body of Christ, and what I mean by the supernatural body of Christ is all those believers who are truly born again and who have put their faith in Christ for forgiveness of their sins and have been regenerated by the Spirit of God in their inner man and woman or woman, and thus they are born again, and they are guaranteed entrance into heaven. That's the supernatural body of Christ versus the counterfeit, the fake, which is just a shell. It's an empty shell. They, they, go, they say they're Christians. They say they're in a Christian church. Uh, but they're not the supernatural body of Christ. 
because you technically you can't even truly be an authentic Christian unless you're authentically born again through repentance and by putting your faith in the Spirit of God and inviting Christ to come into your life and make you born again. It's only then that you're a member of the supernatural body of Christ. So this talk of spiritual power and everything else that I've talked about is open to anybody, but it's you can only access it, you can only receive it, and you can only use it and walk in it if you're truly a member of this supernatural body of Christ. And so, you know, those of you that are listening, I assume many of you, or the larger percentage of you, are, are members of the supernatural body of Christ. It's not a club. Um, but if you're not, then you got to, look, the time is over for you to play games. We have disease epidemics, pandemics. We have, well, I don't need to tell you what we have. This world and our nation is hemorrhaging. Uh, we have the, the, the very warnings of the emergence of a new world order, now called the Global Reset being born before our very eyes. We have hardcore, serious discussion about any moment implementation of the distribution of digital nanochips that if they're uh if they are put in people uh in the same way the Bible describes that happens in the book of Revelation, where you have to renounce Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior in order to receive the mark of the beast, 666. That's about 60 seconds away from where we are now. You understand that? That technology, we're not waiting for that technology to be invented. Get over it. Get educated. That technology, the mark of the beast technology, is has been here for I, I come you know, ten years, twenty years minimum. I was reading an article uh, about uh, a military project to uh, that will allow people to uh, read each other's minds. That's not science fiction. You haven't been paying attention, and so this nanochip technology, where you can't buy or sell unless you willfully choose uh, to receive the mark of the beast, and then you must willfully choose uh, to renounce Jesus Christ publicly, and you must publicly pledge to worship the Antichrist, then you're allowed to get this uh, specific uh, mark of the beast chip. Now, somebody asked me this uh, relatively recently. It is my personal opinion that the only way you could end up not going to heaven is if you made a conscious decision with your will when you were offered this mark of the beast technology or nanochip or biochip or whatever it turns out to be. And you would have to, in order to lose uh, your opportunity to go into heaven, you would have to publicly 
renounce Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you would have to publicly uh, pledge to worship the Antichrist. That's what causes you to get the mark of the beast and sent into the lake of fire. You don't lose your opportunity for heaven if you're not publicly denying Christ and publicly uh, uh, pledging to worship the Antichrist. That's a, that's a subtle but an all-important distinction. So if you're laboring under terror or false guilt of losing your salvation, I would first of all tell you don't play with fire. But secondly, if you have not openly pledged to worship the Antichrist as God, and if you have not publicly renounced Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are saved. Do you understand what I'm saying? So don't go freaking out. It's a sobering thing. Believe me, I understand. It's a highly sobering thing. But don't, don't. God is not going to reject people from heaven who did not renounce him and did not pledge to worship the Antichrist. How you get into trouble eternally is when you reject Jesus Christ and you begin to worship the Antichrist. That's how you get into trouble eternally. So all of these storm clouds and realities are swirling in our environment right now. So what does God want his people to do? I'll tell you first and foremost what God wants his people to do. He doesn't want them immobilized and paralyzed with fear and and rendered inoperative because they were hit with a psychological, spiritual nuke called fear. Remember this always, that fear is not merely a series of psychological responses. It is partially a series of psychological responses. But ultimately, and I'm asking you to listen to me very carefully, ultimately fear is generated by a spirit. You say, how can you say that, Paul? Because I base my truth on the Word of God. The Bible says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Once again, you need power from on high to give you the power to have power, love, and a sound mind. And you defeat, you have to make through, through your faith in Christ and your faith in God's Word and the full armor of God, you have to make the willful, conscious choice, and I'm not saying it's easy, to defeat. You have to go into the spiritual battlefield and purposely, intentionally, in your heart, decide that you're going to defeat the spirit of fear. It doesn't mean you won't fail at times. It doesn't mean you won't get knockout punches. It doesn't mean, you know, it's a one-time deal and you're going to cruise merrily into heaven. Fighting the spirit of fear as well as fighting the spiritual battle in this environment is is a continual process. It's not just, a, you know, a one-time thing and you can fall back asleep. Okay, so here's the other message of today's edition of the Paul McGuire Report. 
it is of, of paramount necessity that you and me and all those that are part of the supernatural body of Christ right now in America and around the world, because the stakes are so high, it is time for us to step up our game and admit to God in repentance and admit to God in repentance first. And I believe that one of the primary focal points of authentic biblical repentance before God is this for American Christians. We need to repent before God of a lot of things, but the primary area of repentance is we need to repent uh, before God of our unbelief of his word, of our idolatry, of our belief in false doctrine, and our rebellion from God. And by that I mean we need to repent before God for rebelling against him and telling God to his face when we cry out to him in prayer. We are essentially telling God that we don't believe his word. We don't believe that our prayers will be answered. And so unbelief is probably the root sin underneath all the other sins. So if you want to be a participant in pulling the trigger of a Holy Spirit, authentic, biblical revival that will rock America and the world, then the only way you're going to be allowed by God to participate in it is if you move in accordance with God's holy word and get down to business. God said, do kingdom business until I come. Most of evangelicalism, not all of it, but most of it, has not been doing kingdom business. It's been doing monkey business. And so the central call for repentance is to repent of our unbelief before God and then receive his forgiveness by the blood of Jesus and then cry out to God, ask God in faith, even if it's just a mustard seed of faith, ask God in faith to give you power from on high that is working together with the authority of his word. When that happens, it's like it's like a, it's like a, a futuristic technology. It's like a law of physics. When that happens, when the authority of the word of God is encountered by believing Christians with faith and belief, and then when God offers the power of his Holy Spirit, and you are given a choice to receive the power of the Holy Spirit by faith, when these, thing, when these two things connect, faith in God's word and faith in the power of his Holy Spirit, when these, th- these two things connect in the invisible realm or the spiritual world, it's like there's a law of physics dynamic that goes into operation. And how it plays out is like this. These two laws, the law of faith, the law of God's word, when they connect through a believing Christian, there is a corresponding 
explosion of unprecedented proportions. That explosion is known as the power from on high, or the dunamis, dynamite, explosive power of God. And it's time for Christians to, to quit being afraid, because being afraid of obeying God's word is called unbelief. And your unbelief is blocking uh, the power that God wants to send into the earth right now. If you, if you ask me, and I'm just a human being like you, but if you were to ask me, what is holding back revival, etc., etc., I would tell you that it's unbelief in God's Word. So we need to repent of the unbelief and align ourselves with what God's Word is telling us to do. And when we do that, to whatever degree the Lord Jesus chooses, we will cause certain elements in the invisible realm to come together, producing the explosive dynamite dunamis force or power of the Holy Spirit. And when that is released and it conforms to the authority of God's Word, that's the nanosecond we turn the tide of the spiritual battle. So my question to you is, and to people you know, and and if it apply, if this doesn't apply to you, then please forgive me. But it applies to me. You know, I'm accountable to the Word of God. You're accountable to the Word of God. And I believe with all my heart that God is calling us for such a time as this. And to the degree we heed that call and obey Him is to the degree we see Him demonstrate His power and to quit saying to ourselves, to quit saying in our own minds, to quit saying to each other, we're constantly saying, oh, this is too big. This problem is, you know, this is the last days. We just got to hang in there until Jesus comes. All of this stuff is unbelief. As long as we're uttering little mantras of unbelief, we're turning the off switch on the power of God. You can't pray to God for revival, salvation, or anything else, and expect God to move if you're going to contradict uh, with your words what you prayed for. So, so what I'm telling you, from a multidimensional geoengineering perspective, it is possible for the body of Christ to literally do one of two things. We can short-circuit the power of God in an authentic revival through our uh, words of unbelief, or we can ignite the power of God and a genuine revival by disciplining ourselves. I'm not talking about naming it and claiming it. Get over it. I'm talking about obedience to God, obedience with our mouths, but more importantly, obedience with our inner man or inner woman, so that we think, so that we agree with what God says, and quit being guilty of, of pronouncing to the Lord and to each other and to ourselves that we're powerless. Okay, that was what the Lord put on my heart for today's Paul McGuire report. I need you to stand with me. We're in a spiritual war. The flaming missiles that the evil one have been fired. We take up the shield of faith. 
but we have a job to do. I need your help in this ministry to move forward and to occupy until he comes. I need you to ask the Lord what you can do and pray to God and ask him what you could give financially with a donation. Choose to participate as an intercessory prayer warrior and choose to spread our message far and wide. God bless you. This is Paul McGuire. And I just want to say this in finality. God isn't finished with America yet. I mean that with everything in me. I can't promise you certain outcomes because I don't know what the body of Christ is going to do. But God is not finished with an America yet. At least without a spiritual battle. But remember, we have a lot of people who are surrendering. Uh, that need, you need, if you're surrendering, you need to repent of that. And you may not have, I don't have it, the strength to be victorious in and of myself. But with God, all things are possible. This is Paul McGuire. Be sure to get yourself a copy of Power From On High. It's available at a discount now. Grab it. You'll need it. God bless you. This is Paul McGuire. Visit paulmcguire.us. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.